All right, welcome back to Officially Unofficial, brought to you by FMRUClothing.com. We are here with a very special guest, man. This guy was a former first-round draft pick from the Colorado Rockies, and now he's just putting spring training hitters in his back pocket. It is Tyler Matzik. What is up, Tyler? How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, I appreciate this, man. If people look at your stats on online or all over Twitter right now, because people are just stroking you off on Twitter, they'll be like, I had to get this guy on. So I appreciate you doing this, man. Yeah, of course, man. Uh, you know, any anything to help uh, help out another podcast. <laughs> there it is. And uh, so let me ask the first question here just to get do a little house house cleaning. Is that how you say your last name or am I just a clown who pronounced it wrong? Matt Sick. Matt Zick, Matt Zick. Yeah, I know it's a tough one. It's a, uh, it's Eastern European. It's Czech. Uh, I, man, I've been called so many different names, but Matt Zick is how you, how you pronounce it. I so, will you play right. for Team Czech in the World Baseball Classic if there is a team? Because uh, Tim Tebow made. is Filipino, so he's playing for the Philippines. Obviously, who would have thought? Are you gonna? Can you announce here you're playing for te- the Team Czech Republic? I mean, if they're willing to have me, absolutely, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I don't even know if their team's gonna make it, but uh, I would definitely go play for them. That'd be a great experience. The qualifier, yeah, and, and like I said, uh, actually in the interview next week, Kent, uh, I try, I'm trying to get guys to play for Team Canada. Uh, we're trying to recruit guys for our country here, and I mean, we'd love to have you a part of the process, but obviously you don't have the Canadian citizenship. No, I don't. I mean, I would do that too. I think it would just be a great experience <laughs> to play in the World Baseball Classic with any team, but uh, unfortunately, I think it'd be just the check would be probably the only thing I'd be able to do, so... Yeah, no, you're right. USA. Team USA would be nice. I don't know if, I'm, uh, I don't know if they'd have me on there, but... Team USA would be pretty nice to be on, too. <laughs> so, yeah, let's go into it. I mean, the thing that I noticed this year with you when I'm doing my research on you on baseball reference and stuff, it is, your baseball reference is literally a Bible. You've played for, like, uh, what we call that in the hockey world is, like, a suitcase. You've just been all around. Man, I respect that. I love that. More stories out of you, which is, again, why I had to get you on. You've been, you've been everywhere, man, like the song. So let's start it off with you as a child. You're from Cali, and we've had a couple Cali guys, Tyler Glass now. I don't know anyone else, but we'll just pretend we've had more. Um, talk yep. about growing up in California, because I feel like being a first rounder out of California means you're Jesus Christ to your peers around high school. <laughs> I don't know about that, because, I mean, there's a decent number of, of first rounders that come out of my area. You know, baseball is just a hotbed in Southern California. Uh, you know, it, it's just you can play year round. Guys are, you know, there's a bunch of ex-players there that are coaching it. And, you know, it's it's just a, a great place to play ball. So I don't know if you're like, you know, a god amongst men, you know, like you're trying to say. I think you're just a, another guy that is fortunate enough to um, grow up in a good area with some good coaches and and be able to, you know, get drafted in the first round. I'm very fortunate Who, for that. Who's a couple kids that you grew up playing with that are in the show now? Oh, man. Uh, Arenado was one of them. I mean, he's probably the biggest name one. Uh, he grew up five minutes from me, um, but there's a bunch. I mean, I went to school with Kyle Hendricks. Um, Damn. <laughs> yeah, he was a, a year older than me, so uh, it was like he was a senior starter. I was the junior starter. Um, I mean, it, it's just a hotbed. We got other guys, another first rounder who's uh, I think he's he's with the Mets right now. Is actually Peter Tago. He was a first rounder with the Rockies uh, the year after me. Um, Royce, uh, Royce Lewis, I believe he was, yeah, he big league this podcast. He big league this podcast, Royce Lewis. Yep. Calling you out. But, uh, yeah, 
No, well, he actually, we're, I usually just say, guys, bigly this podcast. There's only been like a handful of guys that said they'd come on and then gassed it. Royce Lewis is yeah. one of the guys where I'll just say he big leagued it, but he never answered the message. So we'll just pretend like Ooh. he big leagued the podcast. So it's fine. But see, not, okay. not, not, there's not many good guys like you out there, Tyler. So that's, that's why I respect you hopping on. I'm sorry for twisting that knife in your back, man. I'll, I'll, I'll ease off of that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, it's not even a sensitive subject. I just kind of play it off. So this is what I'm kind of starting about thinking about doing. If you come on this podcast, I forever have your back. When people chirp you on Twitter, when people roast you, any <laughs> blue check mark roast you, I come at them. But if you big league the podcast, I'm the opposite. I'm actually coming at you. So the guys that are the guys that big league the podcast, let's say you go for four with three strikeouts. I'm coming for that ass on Twitter. Just know that, that there, there's <laughs> there's two enough. separate things. There's there's two ways you could be here. So now with you, I'm like I said, I'm your burner account on Twitter. Anyone tries to come at you or chirp you, they're gonna have to deal with me. Just just know that that's what comes with this podcast, Tyler. Appreciate it, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to call on you in some situations be like yo get this guy for me he's all over me (laughs) (laughs) as i mentioned you are from cali and you got drafted first round what was that experience like for you man i usually ask this question to the first rounders but for everyone it's kind of different did you know you were going to be a first round draft pick or was were you as surprised as like uh most of the people um you know i didn't know until right before the draft you know I, I honestly my sophomore year of high school i didn't even play on my jv team and I, I rode the pine i didn't my freshman year i played my freshman team sophomore year i rode the pine as a j you know on jv and then junior year i started to get a little bigger start throwing a little harder and uh you know started playing on varsity and then you know guys started taking notice and i was fortunate enough to play uh against carrot cole in a game we Gee. came in i was hitting and pitching at that time and uh, we put up like a six spot on him in the first inning. And then I came in, I, I pitched and I threw, I was throwing, feeling good in high school, man. I was throwing well. So I was throwing like 93, 94 as a junior, probably. Oh my and, God. Uh, yeah, that kind of got me noticed just because everybody was there to see Garrett Cole. And I just happened to have a good day. And then, uh, you know, I kind of put my name on the map. But I didn't know I was going to be a first rounder until, you know, the minute they called my name, like that's when it really got real for me. I knew there was always some chance of some sliding here or there, but once they said my name, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. I was in shock. So can we start, can we kind of start the trend here that you're Garrett Cole's kryptonite? You're the kind of guy, you're the only guy that can pretty much beat him in any situation. I don't know about that, man. He's, he's pretty good. He's a great kid too. You know, he's, but, uh, you know, I was just, I was just more thankful that, hey, I get to start against this guy. This is awesome, man. I'm so, this is so special. This is so cool. And we ended up just taking it to him that day. It was a great day. It was definitely a team, team win on that day. Yeah. And there's something else that I want to talk about. And like I'll always say on this podcast, I'll never talk about another man's money. Hand up to me. I'm going to break that right now. Not to be, not to pump your own tires here, Tyler, but. Let's talk about the signing bonus, $3.9 million to, an, to a high school kid. So congrats on to that. What was that like to look in the bank account and see pretty much four sheets waiting for you right there as a little 18-year-old probably hasn't even hit puberty yet? Yeah, no, it, it was, there was definitely times where I'd like sit there and I'd look at my bank account or like, you know, at that time it was all split up into different, uh, different accounts. I was just looking at like, wow, like this is life changing. Like, holy crap, this is unbelievable. And it was, it took a while and just shock. But then I started to realize like, 
you know, I'm in, I'm starting in the same position. I went to Casper, Wyoming right after I got that. And I had to grind just like everybody else. Um, you know, obviously it was a little more cushioned because I was, uh, you know, not living paycheck to paycheck like everybody else. But I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, uh, it was still grinding, you know, out in Casper at Wyoming and then just hopping around through the minor leagues. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't those, you know, first overall guys, they go to double A for a week and then they're in the big leagues. You know, it was, uh, worked my way through the whole system. Was was a little part of you saying like when you were just grinding through eating PB and J sandwiches on these long ass bus rides? Part of you saying I could take a fucking private jet to this park and I <laughs> it wouldn't even put a dent in my bank account. Was part of you saying like why the hell am I on this bus right now? <laughs> no, I was never like that, man. I, I enjoyed the journey. You know, I'm a big time journey guy. I just enjoy enjoy traveling, enjoy the journey. Uh, obviously, a private jet would have been much nicer than those 16, 17 hour bus rides. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it would have been worth it financially. I think uh, investing that money is a, a much smarter decision. <laughs> what was the most bananas, banana purchase that you ever made and during your whole career? Like, obviously, because your bank account's probably – you're probably pretty smart with your money. But has there been one time where you kind of got off the rails a little bit with the purchase? No, nothing crazy. You know, I'm pretty conservative with my money. Uh, the biggest thing I've ever bought is, like – a townhouse in california and it's not even anything special you know uh but probably like the most pointless thing i ever spent money on it was uh, one day in single a this guy found this like big ass bug right i'm telling you this thing was like a dinosaur right this thing was not from around here not supposed to be walking this earth whatever (laughs) he i bet him a hundred bucks if you would eat it and he actually ate the damn thing oh my god oh my gosh so that was probably the biggest waste of money it was entertaining i guess but it was a (laughs) hundred dollars that i was just like well he did it like i really didn't think he was going to do it but yeah here's your hundred dollars it was disgusting man he was choking it down he almost threw up it was so bad but uh yeah that was probably the dumbest thing i spent money on and i don't know i haven't really gone off the rails anything crazy yeah, how much how much money do you have in your pockets right now? Let, let's call you out right now. I, I'm gonna start doing this in my uh, like a little part of my take trick. Just ask the guests how much money they have in their pocket. In my actual pocket right now, well, we just got meal money, so I think I got like three dollars <laughs> in my pocket right now. So uh, it's usually not carrying around that much. Usually I'm just carrying the card, but yeah, we just got got cash today. So what what investments have you made? Let, let, let's go into finance here. What kind of investments have you made with that signing bonus? To, uh, just talk to the kid listeners, the high school draft picks that are going to be done with their money. What should they invest in? What have you invested in that's been successful? You know, I have a, a financial advisor, and he's been doing all that stuff for me. And I'm so diversified and so balanced in all these different things that I couldn't tell you what, you know, what specific <laughs> investments I'm actually in. Um, it's a bunch of mutual funds, a bunch of CDs, a bunch of, uh, you know, different stocks. It's it just a bunch of everything. So, um, I'm not even, I can't, I mean, I could go through and list it, but there's a bunch of different things that I'm invested in. Yeah. Like if I was no. going to give advice to the kids, anybody who's getting a signing bonus or any kind of money is invested as early as you possibly can. Don't spend that crap. You know, all this, anything you buy is just it's going to lose its value. The only thing that goes up in value most often are investments and find somebody you really trust with your investments. Cause there's a lot of people out there who are trying to be your investor and then they're just going to try and take your money from you. So find somebody <laughs> good. So there it is. I mean, there Tyler, the finance expert, we're going to have to have like a little segment every episode at the end where you just give finance, financial advice uh, to our guests and to, the early prospects that we kind of have on the podcast. So as I mentioned, prospect, great segue here. 
you were one of the biggest pitching prospects in the Colorado Rockies system, and obviously you made it to the major leagues. What was that like for you to kind of just pretty much you were kind of flying through the minor league system with the Rockies, and you were carving at every level, man. If Even looking at your stats, I mean, 292 ERA one year, 379, 386. Like, you were just pretty much succeeding at every single level. So what was running through your head when you kept hit, like, every level you'd move up, you were pretty much carving it? Yeah, you know, I had some really good years. I had a couple bad years in there. I mean, I know you didn't say those ones, but – the uh, the good years are those are the easy ones. Those are the fun ones. The hard ones are the ones that um, you know really test who you are as a person. And uh, you know it wasn't all just super easy. I mean I had a bunch of support with uh, the Rockies. You know they they all wanted me to succeed. They had a lot invested in me, and so I had a bunch of resources around me to help me get there. Um, but yeah, it wasn't. It's not all that easy. Um, you know, but it was. It was a great time, and uh, you know, I, I'd accept those bad times with the good times. You know, and there were some really good seasons that I, I had a lot of fun, and um, I pitched really well. And obviously, that's what helped me get through uh, through the minor leagues and into the big leagues. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And like I said, I never had an up. I just always had downs during my playing career. If you listen to the podcast, you know, <laughs> those, those know my stats. But you, when you make that debut for the Rockies, and let me pull up the stats here. Let me pump your tires a little bit. All right, in your debut, right. you go against the team that you're with now, the Braves, yep. and you go seven innings, five hits, seven, seven punchies, and two earned runs. So you pretty much, put, like I stated earlier, you put the league in your back pocket in your debut. What was going right for you in that debut? Yeah, I was shaking, honestly, like for the first two or three innings. So it, it was hard for me to throw off-speed pitches because I couldn't feel the baseball. It was just like... <laughs> My hand was just shaking, and it was just like, uh, what am I doing? You know, luckily, I had uh, my catcher who I had in AAA for most of the year there. He had some big league experience, and he calmed me down and, and was just like, hey, man, it's the same game, right? Guys have bigger names. They swing the exact same. Umpires are the exact same, dude. It's all the same. The defense behind you is better, though, so be ready for that. I'm like, all right, that sounds great. He calmed me down. By the third inning, I was just able to settle in and it was just, it was go time from that point on. And, uh, yeah, I just, it was a, it was a great outing and a great memory, honestly. And, uh, Walt came out and got me. The fans were all standing on their feet cheering. And, uh, he's like, dude, I don't think they're cheering for me. I think they're cheering for you. I'm like, yeah, probably are, man. I (laughs) I mean, I, I can't believe this. I'm just in shock. And he's like, great job, kid. Go on. I'll see you over in the dugout. And so, you know, it was it was a very surreal moment, and uh, you know, it's every kid's dream to have that moment. And I was there, and I I, I had that moment, and it was just uh, you know, a moment to look back, and, and I'll never forget it. Yeah, and we're gonna I'm gonna like I said I'm gonna pump your tires here. I'm gonna start the narrative that you defied slash beat science in your debut because the ball flies in Colorado, right? The elevation, all that kind of stuff. The ball's usually flying off people's bats, and you said like. You said like that, like 21 Jump Street quote, like, fuck you, science. You carved in your debut in a highly elevated area, if I'm right. It wasn't Colorado, so so there it is. You beat science. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Rockies, they do that kind of on purpose. They put a bunch of minor league stadiums at elevation. So when I was there before uh, in AAA, before I went to the big leagues, we were playing in Colorado Springs, which is another, I want to say, like 500, 600 feet higher in elevation with a smaller ballpark. 
So it's just like, hey, figure it out, bro. Figure out how you're supposed to get guys out and figure out how you're going to get to the big leagues throwing in a park that is even worse than when you get to the big leagues. So <laughs> getting there, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't anything different than what he'd been, what I've been doing, you know, in the season before, uh, before getting called up. Yeah, and we'll go into your major league career a little later. I want to talk about the minors because we like talking about the trenches in this podcast. The first thing that I wanted okay. to mention here is is a town that I've kind of grown to fall in love with just based off of the stories of players that played there, Modesto, the Nuts. The Nuts of Modesto. Yeah. What was it like playing in that? Because we've heard stories of that being the very, very, very like ghetto, like just insanely scary and sketchy. What was your time like in Modesto? Uh, Yeah, Modesto was... I don't want to trash talk Modesto, man, but it is ghetto. It is hood. It is sketchy. Uh, we'd be sitting in the dugout or the bullpen, and we'd hear gunshots going off. And down <laughs> That's the, the same thing the guy we had earlier say. He said the Ooh, same we're thing. We're ducking. We're like, what's going on, man? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was sketchy. And they told us, like, they would have meetings like, hey, so here's the roads. Don't go over there. Stay over there stay by the mall and that's it like do not go over here and then you know sometimes us being dumb kids man we get in the car drive over there and we're just like oh my gosh this is rough this is so bad man it's just it's kind of hood over there but you know they're good fe- good people good fans they come out to the games and um the host families there are all great people and you know it's just there's half of the city that's a little sketchy yeah, no, it, like like I said, like we had Donnie Walton on, and what's actually crazy is he told that exact same story, like where they would literally tell you, like, do not drive down this road. And they obviously drove down that road, and the next thing they know, they see bodies, like just crazy weird shit. Was that probably one of the weirdest towns that you ever played in? Because let me read a couple of towns you played in. You played in Tulsa, Asheville, um, where else? Hartford. Boise, Albuquerque, like I said, Jackson, Mississippi, Gwinnett, like Texas. You played in your thing is a pretty much a Bible. So talk about like the weirdest town you played in, or like just like a funny minor league story that you have. Oh man, uh, probably. I mean, this is like a true minor league story. Like it was in that Cal League, and we were on the road in Visalia, and uh, <clears throat> we stayed at this place called the Lamplighter Inn. Uh, in Visalia, right off the freeway, it was it had a great diner attached to it. The food was amazing, but the rooms were terrible, man. First off, they had regular, like, keys, you know, and this was, like, not that long ago, five years ago or something like that. They had regular keys to open these doors. Open the door. I'm, I'm sleeping in the bed one night, right? You know, like, the, the, the sheet that goes over the bed, that wraps around the bed, it kind of pulls up off the mattress. And I'm like, what the heck? So I get up. I look at the mattress, and there is a blood stain on this thing the size of like a large pizza and it was either somebody had died on this bed or somebody had given birth it was one of the two that was that's the only only possibility i looked at this thing and i'm like hell no so this is a time when i did get a little bougie you know be first first rounder and i went and stayed at another hotel i'm like i'm not sleeping on some person's bloody mattress that's not for me all right so that was probably like the most minor league hotel story I got. <laughs> um, either that one or I was in Savannah, Georgia one time. I was sitting on my computer and a rat ran up my bed, across my leg, <laughs> down the other side. My roommate, my roommate was gone at this point and he comes back and I've moved every piece of furniture in the room trying to find this damn thing. The bed was up against the wall. The TV stand was in the corner. The bed's on the, the 
TVs laying on the ground. I'm looking for this mouse, rat, whatever you want to call this thing. He comes in like, bro, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, dude, there's a rat in here. I swear to you, there's a rat. Couldn't find it. I struggled to sleep that night knowing that there was a rat. I was waiting for him to start chewing on my ear or something. Yeah, that's the thing people fail to believe about the minor leagues, man. It's like it's considered professional baseball, but it's really not if you think about the living accommodations and like the the, the transportation, all that kind of stuff, and the food. It is a it is a grind, man. It is like I always say this: it's like junior college baseball. Like we experience the same shit pretty much. When you were doing that, when you were in the minor leagues, was there when you, even when you were younger, did you always see that light at the end of your tunnel, like? okay, I'll be out of here soon, I'll be out of here soon, I'm going to be in the big league soon. Or was there points during that minor league career of yours where you're like, Jesus, man, I don't know if I'm going to get out of this shit? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I, we, like I said earlier, man, I, I, there was some rough years in there where I was really not doing well. I had to, just couldn't throw a strike, and I was just like, yo, I'm, I might never make it up. Like, it, it kind of hit me after being a first-rounder. I'm like, oh, you know, it's kind of guaranteed, I got to get, I'm going to get there kind of thing. But when I started struggling, I was just like, what is going on? There's, I'm, I'm a million miles away. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get there. So there was definitely times when it, it crept into my mind that, you know, this, uh, this might not happen. And, um, you know, I kind of looked myself in the mirror and was just like, no, I'm going to do whatever I can to get there. And uh, that's what I did. Let's talk about the mental aspect because I read on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if this is true, but – it said that you kind of struggled with the yips during your career. Describe what that was like, and describe what the yips even were. Because I, to be honest, I have no idea. Because then my career, I sh- my career was the yips technically, my whole career. So what, what, what was just kind of getting <laughs> through that, and just dealing with the yips, and then battling through, and to getting to the position that you're at now? Man, the first thing I'll say about the yips is they suck. They suck, man. It's one of the hardest things I'd ever had to go through and I don't wish it upon anybody. It basically you wake up one day and you can't do a very simple task. You've been able to do your whole entire life. Um, it would be like waking up that day and just, you can't talk, you know, just something very simple that you take for granted every day. You know, you just, you can't talk. You have to relearn how to speak. And for me, that was throwing. I had to relearn how to throw. And then, you know, I, at the same time, I have all this anxiety and all this stuff going on with it where I'm I'm freaking out on the mound. Every time I pick up a baseball, I start, you know, getting in this panic state. And, uh, you know, it took me a while to get through that. That was most, you know, that was I got the yips when I was in 2015 when I was up in the big leagues. And, you know, I, I talk about pressure, you know, thrown up, thrown against big league hitters and have no idea where the ball is going. You know, I threw a ball, I hit Rizzo in the ribs one time like totally nailed him like for no there was no intention behind hitting him and it just it looked so bad and and then I threw it behind Goldschmidt like literally a left-handed pitcher throwing it behind a right-handed hitter it I was all over the place with the ball is what I'm saying and uh you know to be a pitcher and then not be able to throw a ball that's not going to work well so I was out of baseball in 2017 didn't play at all just trained and tried to get rid of it Went and saw some psychiatrists, some psychologists, you know, got on a, a program and then have slowly been making my way back through indie ball and stuff and finally got picked up by the Braves and and everything's going great right now. So I'm just staying on that, that riding that wave right now of just, you know, keep doing what I'm doing and, and things are working in the right direction. 
Yeah, and let's go a little bit deeper into the Yips conversation. Like, this isn't a serious podcast, like I usually state, but this is just like a a cool and crazy story. When when did when was the first pitch that you threw where you're like, man, I think I got the Yips or something's not right here? Like, was it in a game or was it in practice? It was in practice. It was just playing catch. So it was 2015 in spring training. I rolled my ankle and. Three days after that, I couldn't play catch. I couldn't throw it to somebody who was standing, you know, 60 feet away from me. I, I was throwing it 10 feet in front of them, 10 feet over their head. All of a sudden, I'm just sitting there kind of in shock, like, what's going on right now? This is, this is not how I'm supposed to play. Like, I'm a big league pitcher, and I can't play catch with somebody. This is unbelievable. And it got worse and worse. Right? It got down to where I couldn't throw it 10 feet to somebody. And... um yeah, man, it, it was – I don't even know. I, I still I, – going through it, I still don't know why it happened. I don't know how I fixed it. I don't know – I mean, I, I do know kind of how I fixed it. Just keep throwing, keep throwing, keep throwing. And then the program I set up with my, you know, people around me. But I, I don't know how it came to me or got into me in the first place. It's just one of those things, man, and it just slowly got worse and worse. But it was yeah. 2015 spring training. So, like, what do you say to – because you obviously have those expectations with the scouts, with the front office, that you're the first rounder. You're, you, it's pretty much like you have to make it to the majors with the amount of money they've invested into you. What's the conversation like, and how did the front office treat that when you said, hey, guys, like, I honestly think I have the yips. I, there's no other explanation for what's going on right now with me. Well, I never, I never said it to him. You know, I, I was too scared to say it to him. I thought they were just going to release me on the spot. Um, but I was, you know, I was in the big leagues in 2014, and so 2015, I was slotted to be like the number one or number two in the rotation for the Rockies. I ended up actually starting the opening day start for that for them, and I think it was like the third, third game or second or third game or whatever. So yeah. it was, I was the home opening day starter, and uh, you know, I. I was struggling to throw a strike and <laughs> it was it was uh yeah i mean they they i think they just kind of caught on they could kind of see it happening they never really sat down and talked with me until they sent me down and they're like look this is what i think's going on and i went from the big leagues all the way down to rookie ball in 2015 i went back to back to boise which is short season single light ball basically rookie ball and I struggled there, you know, and it was not anything to do with where I was playing. It was simply inside my mind. I dude, I, this is honestly banana. So what happened in that first start when you, like you pitched with the yips, what happened? Like, so how I, did the, how did the game able, go? I was able to hide it for a little while. I went, you know, it's actually a good game. I mean, it went statistically, I think I went like four innings, uh, no runs, I think like three or four hits, but I had like, six walks or something like that um and i was just all over the place but i kept them off balance i could throw curveballs and sliders for strikes so i kind of just relied on that um i think i had maybe four or five starts that year one i remember i couldn't throw a fastball for a strike to save my life and this was in san francisco and so what i was doing and i was taking my change up and i was just like you know what instead of like really turning over my change up and taking speed off of it I'm almost going to throw it with like a straight wrist and just throw it a hard changeup. So I ended up throwing in a game where I went 
five or six innings against San Francisco, I threw 75 or 78 changeups, something like that. And all I, <laughs> and all I did was just make it straighter, a straighter changeup. So usually as a starter, I was throwing 93, 94, 95, whatever. The scouting report says that I'm out there throwing like 89, 90 mile an hour changeups, basically like bad two seams. And these hitters look so confused. They're just like, who in the hell in our scouting department said that this guy is a lefty that throws mid-90s? He's throwing 81 or, you know, 91 to 89 mile an hour sinkers. This is not working out. And so, uh, I mean, that was like a a weird game, but it, I ended up getting sent down like right after that. Because guys, they, they knew something was up because I wasn't throwing fastballs. Yeah, and let me read the stats here because I just pulled it up. This is crazy. Like- For people listening to this, like, this is insane what just went on here because you throw against Chicago Cubs in 2015. I believe that was the year, like, they were nasty and almost won the World Series or were close to it. You go four innings, four hits, one earned run, and four strikeouts, but you hit two guys and walk three guys, and you only give up one run while pitching with the yips. I, I like, I don't get it. I don't know how you did that. And that might have to be, I'm going to mark it as the greatest pitching performance in major league history. I'm just going to start that. And we're going to keep telling people that because you pitched with the opposite of PEDs. You had something that was the completely different than steroids. It was something that made you worse and you still competed. I do not understand that. And, and, and it's opening day too, man. Like, I couldn't even imagine being a fan, paying to go into the game, thinking like, okay, we're gonna have a big leaguer on the mound. He's gonna like, he's gonna carve for us and all that kind of stuff. And the guy on the mound has yips, has the yips. <laughs> I, I find that just bananas, man. Like that is so crazy. And the fact that you got like your team won five to one, and you only let one run. In the game, you have the yips. I, I, dude, all, like this is the like I, I rarely just am mind blown like this, but this is insane. Like the, when you kind of sit back and relax and look back on this and look back on that start when you're pitching with the yips in a big league park opening day sold out. Do you kind of say like I don't know how on God's earth I did that? Yeah, you know I kind of I kind of take pride in it. Honestly, I know that I can go out there with my worst stuff and still go out there and compete against some of the best hitters in the world. That's what I know. And so now that things are getting better and I can throw strikes again with my fastball, I know how to get guys out with my worst stuff. It's a hell of a lot easier to get guys out with my best stuff. And so I think it's just like, a, you know, and something to hang your hat on that, hey, if you're having a terrible day, you can still go out and do something good. And that's, that's how I looked at it. And um, I just went out there and competed. I wanted to give my team, I wanted to do two things that day. I wanted to get deep into the game as far as I could to allow the bullpen to come in because I knew we were struggling with throwing strikes. And then, two, I just wanted to keep it close to where our team, our offense, our explosive offense could, could have a chance of winning the game. And I accomplished those, and I'm going to take, take a victory on that one. Yeah, man. And, and, and you were mentioning that San Francisco Giants start where you were struggling. And let me read the stats for this one because this is even more insane. Yeah, you went six is, innings. Yeah. Five hits, again, one earned run, so your ERA is 180 during the year. Two starts with the yips, your ERA is 180. One walk, three Ks, and one hit by pitch. And you threw 53 strikes, and you had the yips. I Dude, yep. this is insane. You went 1-0 against two pretty good big league teams at the time. 
and you got a win and a no decision, and your team won both those games 5-1 and 4-2. Like, just what was your pregame routine going into a game with the Yips? Like, what what did you have to do differently in your pregame routine? It was a mess. It was an absolute mess. Trying to play catch. Trying to play catch was terrible because you got all these fans that are there watching, and then I'm throwing the ball all over the place, right? I'm throwing it off the wall, all the in the dirt. Catchers like blocking it and stuff. And then in San Francisco, their bullpen is on the field, so yeah. I'm sitting there throwing balls over my catcher into the dirt, all over the place. It's rolling down, hitting people down by the bullpen, and I'm just like, whatever, dude. Screw this. I'm just gonna keep throwing the ball. Figure it out. I gotta figure it out. That's what I'm thinking. And it was not pretty, but it worked. It was. I knew just. I need to get my warm arm warm enough to where I'm not gonna get hurt, and we'll just we'll just get after it when we get on the mound and find a way to win. That's all we're looking to do. Just find a way to win. And um, yeah, it was not pretty. That like like I said, man. That is like I will forever respect the hell out of how you pulled that that rabbit out of the hat. So let's go into something that's a little bit funnier and a little bit cooler. Let's go into your hitting stats. I mean. You kind of can swing the bat a little bit. People don't know that about you. You got a little bit of juice there. I mean, 217 average with two doubles in your career, 10 hits, and only 14 Ks and 52 up, up, uh, plate appearances, which is better stats than I had my whole junior college career. So <laughs> what, what did you always know you can swing it like this, or what happened? Yeah, I was a two-way player all the way up through high school. Um, there was talks of me playing. You know, if I didn't if I didn't pitch, I'd be able to be get drafted as a as a position player. Um, but being a left-handed pitcher, you know, throwing pretty hard, that that wasn't going to be the case. So guys took me as you know, we're looking at me more as a pitcher. But when I came up in fourteen, I struggled at the plate because I didn't take any pride in it. You know, through the minor leagues, I was just like, I want to make it as a pitcher. I'm trying to throw get me to the big leagues as a pitcher and um once in 2015 was coming around the offseason before that i'm like i'm not going out there and embarrassing myself again at the plate so i took a lot of time in the cage uh you know i had a, I had a catcher dustin garneau and we made i made a deal with him he made a deal is like yo you catch my bullpens i'll flip you all day long and he said all right deal and in between flipping to him he would need a break or two he'd flip to me and so I just, uh, you know, that was my hitting practice, and then it just showed a lot better in 2015. I was able to swing it a lot better, and I was hitting hitting some balls really well. So is that is that would you say that's something that's low key? If I'm selling you to like a Braves fan, I'm saying you should look up for this guy. He can pitch, but he's pretty much the Otani of the Atlanta Braves. Should I should I try to sell that? <laughs> I don't know if you could sell that. I mean, you could try and sell it. I don't know if anybody's gonna buy it. That's the problem. Man, I'm I'm 29 years old now, and uh, at, sitting out in the bullpen, I don't think you're gonna bring me in to uh, get a pinch hit when we got some clutch hitters off the off the bench, you know. But uh, you know, back in back when I was starting, I could I could actually swing it a little bit. <laughs> I say the Braves kind of put you on as a platoon role too. If they you need a pinch hitter, if they, if they, <laughs> they should just throw you in there. I mean, if they can do it, might as well screw it. Throw in Tyler Matzik to hit. Fuck it, man. I'll do it. I'll go up there. Hell, let's let's do it. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen a fastball go by me in quite some time. So, <laughs> oh, I saw plenty of fastballs go past me in my career. So who's the <laughs> who's the best hitter uh, pitcher you got a hit off of in your career? Because I can't find that stat. Ooh, um, jeez, I don't know. 
I did, I remember the first one. I remember my first hit off of Julio Tehran. That was a special one. But I can't tell you who the you know the best pitcher was. Uh, I'll tell you the nastiest pitcher I faced was uh, Rue. Rue. Oh, Blue Jay guy. Okay, yeah. Dude, he was nasty. Left on left, I couldn't see a thing. The, I, <laughs> I kid you not. I kid you not. He could have hit me in the face and I wouldn't have seen it. Like, it was disgusting. And I stood there for three <laughs> fastballs and walked back to the dugout and was just like, yeah, that's not happening today. So uh, I'm just going to head on back and worry about pitching because it, he had – he could have thrown anything. Anything, anywhere, and I would have – I couldn't see it. He was the toughest guy to, to, to face. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. He, he's he's nasty. He's going to be pretty good for the Blue Jays this year who are underrated, but I'm not going to talk about that because people are going to get pissed because I always talk about it. But <laughs> people are people don't understand this year is like you this time last year, like you were playing indie ball. Like, am I right or wrong on that? You're an indie ball guy last year, right? Uh, yeah, during the season I was. So I got last year I was uh, with the Diamondbacks in spring training. You know, I went up to driveline in 2000. What would that be? 2017. Um, went up there, did like their pro day. So I spent no 2018 and then went up there, did the pro day, got signed for 2019 with the diamondbacks. Uh, I went to spring training with them, went to extended spring training with them. Then I went to double a with them, had a two or three outings with them and they released me. Um, and so I was back to not, you know, back to being a free agent and called around to some teams. Nobody wanted me. So back to indie ball, we went and, uh, pitching coach there we so this is the interesting thing about my indie ball team is they had a special deal with the chinese national team where they would su- <laughs> yeah they would supply players so they was the chinese nationalists supplied 35 chinese guys and there was uh 10 americans allowed on the team and so i was one of those 10 americans so it was a very odd mix it was very i mean our we had we'd get post game food and it was like real Chinese and real Chinese is not like PF Chang's man it's like <laughs> like like cooked pig intestine and like stuff like that and I'm like I can't eat this what the heck so you know it's indie ball but uh, I went there the pitching coach he helped me out he got me he fixed a couple mechanical things and the velo jumped back up the uh, you know, consistency in the zone jumped up and the Braves were were scouting me and they saw and uh, they ended up signing me. And it's been great to uh, to be with this organization with the Braves. Yeah. And, and your spring training right now with the Braves, like I want to read a couple tweets and these aren't even hate tweets. These are crazy tweets, like just hilarious tweets like Tyler Matzik rediscovering how to throw strikes and being absolutely filthy might be the most underrated, underreported story of the spring, which I think is true. I think people should. Like, this is kind of like a comeback player of the year kind of story, man, because I don't think anyone's ever kind of done that. Like, like Rick Ankeel had to switch to an outfielder, right, when he yeah. had the yips. Like, those yeah. kind of guys had to switch positions. Like, Anthony Ghost is a pitcher now with, with the Cleveland Indians. So you're the kind – you might be one of the only guys that had the yips and kind of stuck with it and still is still pitching to this day. Do you would, you would you back me up on that statement? Yeah. I mean, I don't know many guys that – I've had it or had it as bad as I did. I mean, I've heard of some guys having it with going to bases and stuff like that, and they kind of hide it. But I don't think that guy, many, many guys have had it where they can't throw a strike um, and then have have stuck with it and in a handful of years come back and, you know, been able to compete. So, I mean, I would I would support that. 
Yeah, and let's let's your spring. Like, let's talk about the spring right now, which is why everyone's pumping your tires, stroking you off on Twitter, is because this spring, you've pretty much like struck out every single hitter you face. Like, let's talk about your stats here. Three games you you've played, you've uh you've came into three point two innings pitched, one hit, and seven punchies. So what is kind of obviously it's still early three games. What has been going right for you so far this spring training? What pitch has been working, or have you been just changing up your pregame routine? Do you crank a white claw pregame? What what's going on here with that? <laughs> no nah, man, no white claws. Uh, nothing for me like that pregame. I'm uh, I'm just pumping the zone, man. That's what I want to do. You know, when baseball gets taken away from you, which is what the Yips did. You just want to go out there and compete and win. And, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be out there, and I just – I feel free out there. I'm just letting it eat. And if I'm going down, I'm going down with my best stuff, throwing as hard as I can, trying to strike everybody out. That's my goal. I mean, everyone says, oh, you're just trying to get out, whatever, you know, one pitch at a time. I'm going there, and I'm looking to strike a guy out every single time. And it just – you know, it's, it's happening that way for me. But when I go in there with that mindset – you know, good things seem to be happening. So that, it's just the mindset, man. That's what I've that's what I've been doing. Just attack, attack, attack. And what's also helped you is that game you pitched in last on Friday was on national TV, ESPN, and you're on the mound. You go point two of an inning, two thirds of an inning, and strike out the the two guys you face. And so I'm gonna say that kind of helped. So, let, so let's talk about your social media. When you are doing that on national TV, carving with your interesting story, what were the follower situations saying? Were they growing or, or were you getting mentioned a lot on Twitter? What was going on with that? No, oh, man, I'm not much on Twitter. I, I got a Twitter handle, but I, I hardly am ever on that thing. You know, I'm getting text messages from people saying, hey, check out this tweet, check out that tweet. But, man, I don't really read those things. Um, you know, I I love having the, the fans that support me and, um, you know, are, are interested in my story. But I I'm not going to lie, man. I'm out there doing it for me. I'm out there doing it for my closest people. But I, I always appreciate all the love. Yeah, and you are, man. Like I said, you're getting loved on on Twitter right now. And people are going to know real soon about this story. And hopefully, I mean, they just revert to the officially unofficial podcast and be like, wow, this guy is an electric factory and we love this guy. And let's talk about the the just having the Braves, like playing on the Braves, the guys that are behind you in the field while you're on the mound carving, how much how much easier does that make for you having Ozzy Alves, Acuna Jr., um, Freddie Freeman, uh, Dansby Swanson behind you while you're pitching? What what is that like for you? Is that kind of surreal? Oh yeah, I mean when I first ran out there, I'm looking around, I'm like, dude, these are a bunch of studs, man. Like <laughs> this is the team that could win the World Series. Like, and I'm out here on the field with these guys. Like, you know, it, it's. I'm not going to say I'm starstruck, but like, you know, I'm looking there like, dude, when I was competing against you guys or just like watching you guys on TV, you guys were all really damn good. So I'm glad you guys are on my team and not on the other team. But yeah, yeah, they're, they're just a bunch of good dudes. I think off the field, they're even better, man. Everyone's been just so welcoming. They're so, you know, they just embrace you as like a, as a brother on the team, you know, and, and there's no reason for them to do that to me, but they have, <clears throat> they always come up hey, man, great job. You know, I love that stuff. Keep attacking. You know, they've just been, they've been just, they're just great people, first off. And then they're great baseball players on top of that. Who's the guy that you kind of got the closest with on the team so far? Because your, your time there has obviously kind of been short. But who's the guy that is, let's just say this, you're, 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 you're going to get married soon and you need a wedding party of three guys. 
from the Atlanta Braves to be in your wedding party. And what a question. What an, First of all, what an electric question for me just to pull <laughs> it out of my ass. Who's the three guys from the Braves that you would have in that wedding party? Ooh. I mean, there'd probably be some minor leaguers and some AAA guys. I know them yeah, best. That's well, fine. Um, I'd probably go with Ben Rowan. Just great, great dude. Uh, he was my catch partner in AAA, and he's just an amazing human being. Uh, I'll go with the other one would be Ryan Castile. He's a first baseman. He's got a great story as well, man. You should look into talking to him. But he, uh, I've known him since the Rocky days, and he's just another great human being. And then uh, Patrick Weigel would probably be the other one. He's uh, he's just been a great kid, man. The first time I, I met him, he just was just like, you know, just treated me so nice and uh, and just welcomed me in. So it'd probably be those three guys, all really stand-up gentlemen. And we're going to say Nolan. Nolan Kingham would be the fourth, maybe the ring boy. <laughs> man, I played with Nolan for a little while. I was there for like five days, man. But yeah, he's an awesome dude too, man. He's just a ball of energy. I love him. Yeah, Nolan, like, I mean, we had him on episode three, which felt like seven years ago. But he is an Electric Factory, one of my best friends. So shout out Nolan for even making this possible. And this is one of the last questions. And this is brought to you by fitmerightup.com. It's an online clothing shopping experience that uses advanced technology to match users to their perfect fitting clothing using only the camera on their smartphone. So you measure yourself with your camera on your smartphone. Don't even have to leave the house. So that's for kind of guys like me and you, Tyler, don't like to leave the house. Our goal is to reduce the return rate of clothes when shopping online and give users increased confidence that what they're buying is the right fit for them. So like I said, fitmerightupclothing.com, kind of electric, Tyler. So I mean, maybe use that 3.9 mil, kind of look into that, you know, a little easier shopping experience for you. Heck yeah. You don't have to go to the tailor then. That'd be awesome. <laughs> it is. No, it is awesome. And uh, so this is the question I wanted to ask here. Seeing how well you're doing, what are your expectations now? Like, was your expectations to just kind of going into the spring, like just pitch well in spring training and leave it into their hands? Was that one of your expectations? Um, I think that was my expectation in the past. You know, I, I wanted to just, oh, I'm just going to pitch well, pitch well. Man, my mindset's attack now. And my what, that's in all aspects of my life right now. I'm going out there and I'm trying to prove myself or prove to everybody what I know in myself. I know that I can pitch in the big leagues and that attack mindset is, is what's going to get me, you know, to show those people that that's what I'm going to do. Um, so that's, I'm trying to really, I'm just trying to pitch my best man and shock some people. That's, that's my goal. Uh, I like being the underdog and, and, you know, people not really knowing my name and that's fine. And, I just want to keep going out there and throwing throwing hard and getting guys out. And here's a complete question out of left field. And I, I, I haven't asked this to a guest yet. Actually, I asked this to Amir Garrett. Um, who's the coolest contact that you have in your phone? Like the guy that just has the most clout, I guess you could say, or just the most popular contact you have? Um, I got two. I mean, I'm pretty good friends with Nolan Arenado. Grew up Holy with him, playing with him. And then... <laughs> The one, because I know you're up in Canada, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so probably this will be a big one for you, but uh, Justin Morneau, probably the biggest one that I got for a Canadian guy. I And and this is this might be a little bit offensive. If I have Justin Morneau on this podcast, I said this is about Bo Bichette, I will be rock hard the entire time. <laughs> Growing up watching Justin Morneau play baseball is is as spiritual as it gets. So, Justin Morneau, if you're listening to this, you probably won't be because you're dialed in, working for the Rockies, I believe. I, I guess that's what he's doing now. I'm not, I haven't really kept up with what he's doing. But um, Justin Morneau, yeah, if you're listening to this, ha- care to hop on, care to discuss, 
but uh, we can't show the camera below the belt, if you know what I mean. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm sure he'd love it, man. But yeah, I got just Justin's just a great guy. And yeah, I mean, if he could get on this podcast, I think you guys would uh, have a great time. What is his personality like? Because like I said, he, he was being in a market in Colorado. It's kind of difficult to uh, kind of see him as often as you see like a Toronto Blue Jays player. So what what just sell, sell Justin Morneau to us Canadians as personality wise. We know he mashes baseballs. He's a funny dude. He's honestly a very funny guy. I would think, you know, he, as a rookie, I was scared to talk to him. And then I'm playing on the field with this guy. But he was funny, man. He'd always come up, make jokes with me, you know, make fun of me. And I could give it back to him and he would be willing to take it. And he's just a real funny guy. If I had, I mean, it was almost like he was a hockey player playing baseball, to be honest. And I think he played hockey for a while growing up. But he just had that personality, um, you know, just kind of just being a funny, you know, grab ass kind of guy. <laughs> grab ass kind of guy. And this this is the last question here because I asked this, and and obviously you probably don't know about this, but I asked the guy that we had, Jake Freely, on Thursday if he can he can he hit a bomb for me in Friday's game. And you know what this this guy, this Thor looking, this handsome devil does in Friday's game against Ross Stripling launches a ball over the right field fence. It was the greatest. It, it was maybe the greatest moment in official in official history. So let's get, let's try to, I'm not going to jinx it here with you, but let's get something going here. What is going to be the first pitch or the first, what are you going to do to the first batter you face after this podcast? But this podcast drops on Thursday. So you might pitch a week from now. So let's just keep that in mind, man. I'm going for a strikeout. That's what there I'm going to do. I don't okay. care who it is. We're going to go for a strikeout. That's what I'm going to do. There, there it is. All right, so that's the officially unofficial call. If you get the strikeout, we're gonna have to make a clip just like we made for Freely because I might have overreacted on Twitter and people following us, uh, following this account. They like they were retweeting it. They were loving it. They thought it was hilarious. But I was going squirrely. I like when this guy launches that ball <laughs> to the right field fence. It's insane. But I actually have two more questions because that we can't end it on that one. All you right. talked about the hardest pitcher you faced in your career. Who's the hardest hitter? That you've ever faced that when they get in this batter's box, you look like me on the mound where you have no idea what you're doing. Bro, it, uh, I don't know if I've ever felt like overpowered by any hitter or like scared to throw to any hitter. But there was two guys that I hated pay- facing. One was D. Gordon when he was with the Dodgers. I would sit there and I would throw some of the nastiest pitches I could throw and he would foul it off every single time. And I'm sitting there throwing 10 to 12 pitches to him as a starter. That's terrible. I'm like, bro, just get out. Hit the ball at me. I don't care. Just hit the ball. He'd go up there with the intention of fouling balls off. So it just annoyed the crap out of me. Um, but he's a good hitter, man. He's a good player. So you got tip your cap to him. The other guy was Hunter Pence. Facing him was the scariest <laughs> thing ever because he hits in the good part of the order. He'll throw a ball that's going to hit the dirt, and somehow he, like, hits it into a triple. And you're like, bro, what the heck? Like, you just hit that off of one foot off the end of the bat, and you hit a triple. You just execute your pitches, and it, you'd have negative results. And so he was just a, a guy where you just sit there, and you're like, dude, I don't even know how to get you out. I throw it above your head and at your shoelaces, and you're still going to find a way to hit it. That is, see, Hunter Pence, he has one. If you're looking at it, like, pretty much take that analytics – that guy's swing is just the opposite of analytics. Just has, yes. has nothing going on there that makes any sense, but he just manages to find a way to do it, which is crazy. And this is my last question. Let's end it off with a funny story here. Um, do you have any recollection of a professional home run that you gave up 
where you're like, this ball might hit Jupiter with how far this ball was hit. Yeah, I do. It's no. So <laughs> it was in the minor <laughs> leagues. It was a double uh, A all-star game. Coming in in relief. I've been starting all year. I'll come in in relief. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I get to come in in relief, just get blow it out in one inning. Awesome. I'm out there throwing, 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 get the first two guys out, get to the third guy. And I'm like, I'm going to get, you know, I'll get all my head's just blown up. Basically I go in and I'm like, I'm going to strike this lefty out with only fastballs. Strike one. <laughs> Boom. Strike two. All right. I'm like, I'm going to rear back for this one. Throw it right down the middle. And this guy hit it on the freeway. You went from Salem <laughs> on the freeway, bro. It was 500 feet easy. And I was just like, Oh my god! I got back to the dugout, and guys looking at me like, "You realize you just gave up the furthest home run any of us has ever seen." And I'm like, "Fuck! I know, it's not good. Sorry, like, I'm sorry, Skip." And he's like, "No, no, that was entertaining, dude. Just whatever. <laughs> it's a, it's a, this game ain't on my record, but that was entertainment, bro. You just watched the guy hit a 500 feet, and I'm like, oh gosh, that's just not good." So that was probably the the one I look back and just like wow that that was very that was with the, the minor league balls too like not these juiced big league balls it was a minor league baseball that went so far confirm the baller balls are juiced by the way from a big leaguer you heard it here first everyone espn quote it there's uh, something from, going on from me there's something going on and i like i'll say this time and time again if i played in the big leagues i'd hit 220 minimum with 20 bombs just based <laughs> on the juice balls and my launch <laughs> angles but there you have it folks i mean this is one of the craziest stories I think I've ever heard in my life, and it and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy, which is crazy. Like, usually I wish this – I wouldn't wish this on someone ever, but the people that big league this podcast, if this happened to you, I, it would, I wouldn't shed a tear. But when it happens to guys like this, it just – you hate to see it. And just to see you crawl back from the trenches, go through indie ball where you're sleeping in hotels where there's rats everywhere grinding, just living, living in hell – and then and see where you are now, man. I mean, it's just a crazy story, and I appreciate you hopping on the podcast. And we're we're gonna be rooting for you. I want to be your Twitter burner account, and good luck in spring training. Good luck going into the season, man. Man, I really appreciate it. And thanks for having me on, man. This was a great time. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and follow us on Twitter at Official Unofficial Pod, and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you.